0: You're listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church, where friends become family. For more information, log on to www.fecqc.org. I hope that you have your Bible with you this morning. You'll turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. We have been in a Sunday morning series through the Christmas season called Vintage Christmas. I read about a professor. Uh, who during uh, the Christmas season uh, gave a word suggestion test to his class of 40 students. Uh, He instructed them to write the word Christmas. Uh, Of course, all the class did so, and then he uh, instructed them after the word Christmas to write the first word uh, that came to their mind regarding that day. When all their papers were turned in, uh, the answers included tree, holly, mistletoe, presents, turkey... Uh, holiday, carols, uh, and Santa Claus. None of the students had written anything about Jesus. Uh, That doesn't surprise us today, sadly, Uh, and yet true. Uh, Christmas has become more of a holiday than a holy day. Uh, It is more about the mall than the manger, uh, more about fun than faith, and more about Santa than the Savior to many people. Uh, But the reason for the season uh, is certainly Jesus. We know that to be true. I think of a lady who was out doing some Christmas shopping, and as she passed by a particular department store a number of years ago, of course, uh, she noticed that this store had put out a manger scene with all of the different figures and so forth, much like you would, uh, like, like you see here uh, in front of me. Uh, and disgustedly, she was overheard to say, look at that. Now the church is trying to horn in on Christmas. You know, there are many people that think if you uh, mention anything or bring anything of a religious nature into Christmas, uh, then you have somehow crossed the line. Uh, Christianity in the public life of our country uh, may be treated like a deadly virus. I'm not going to spend any time this morning addressing the whole issue with Phil Robertson and uh, Duck Dynasty and so forth, but uh, suffice it to say the name of Jesus is uh, many times today treated like a vulgar word, but the plain and simple fact is this, our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the reason that we celebrate this season. Don't forget that. Um, It's not a secular holiday, it is a spiritual holy day, and uh, you can't divorce Christ from Christmas. Uh, Try as you may. Uh, Someone put it in uh, words this way May the Christmas cheer remind you of Him who said, Be of good cheer. May the Christmas bells remind you of the glorious proclamation of His birth. May the Christmas carols remind you of the angels' pronouncement, glory to God in the highest. And may this Christmas season remind you in every way of Jesus Christ, your King. That's what it's all about. In order to keep the real meaning of Christmas uh, before us, we've been in a Christmas series that we've entitled Vintage Christmas. Vintage Christmas. I understand and realize that trends change and Uh, decor changes, and a lot of different things, and styles change, and uh, there's new traditions that are brought into the celebration, and and all those things. And I realize we all celebrate a bit differently. There are certain things that your family may do and and has done for years that you will continue to do, and that's a tradition for you, and that's great. And there are certain things that my family does that are a tradition for us. We were talking to some people yesterday down uh, in downtown Atlanta during the uh, downtown uh, Christmas celebration, and all the. Different things about uh, different things that people do. Some people uh, choose at Christmas time to not eat a traditional Christmas dinner. Can you imagine that? Um, uh, We have a a deal where every Christmas Eve, uh, we've mentioned this before, we hide one of our kids' gifts and we do a scavenger hunt for that gift, but we always have pizza. On Christmas Eve. That's just I, I, where that got started, but that's just our tradition. My kids would think it's funny if we didn't have pizza uh, on Christmas Eve. And so whatever your traditions may be and the little things that you may do as a family, you enjoy those things. But remember, at the center of all of that is the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is what is most important. We've been looking at John's gospel, chapter 1. Over the last couple of weeks, the 14th verse says, And the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. What an amazing thought that the Word was made flesh. That's the essence of Christmas. Martin Luther said, The mystery of the humanity of Christ, that he sunk himself into human flesh, is beyond all human understanding. I can't explain it to you. I can't explain it to you. Augustine wrote it this way. Maker of the sun, he is made under the sun. In the father he remains. From his mother he goes forth. Creator of heaven and earth, he was born on earth under heaven. Unspeakably wise, he is wisely speechless. Filling the world, he lies in a manger. Ruler of the stars, he nurses at his mother's bosom. He is both great in the nature of God and small in the form of a servant. It's beyond all human comprehension, yet so true that the Word was made flesh. That is the real story and the real meaning of Christmas. The Word became flesh. God became man. Jesus was born as a babe in a manger. The Savior of the world has come. We began by thinking about the Word before he became flesh and we turned our attention to the first 3 verses of John's gospel uh, and they tell us about the word and how he existed from before eternity and eternity past and that he is the creator and sustainer of all things the word of god uh, the word was god the word was great the word was gracious then we thought about the word when he became flesh There was that moment in time, that precise moment in time when the Word became flesh at the perfect moment. It was a miraculous event as the Word became flesh by means of a virgin birth. And we looked at the motive was to become one of us that He may die as one for us. Jesus Christ. Today I want us to think about the Word after He became flesh. In fact, Lord willing, on the first Sunday of January, we plan to start a series of messages called The Rest of the Story. And I kind of I want us to pick up from the birth of Jesus, and I want to look at some of the highlights of his earthly ministry and his time here on this earth. We're gonna begin that series by looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It tells us, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Do you realize that that, that Jesus was the most well-rounded individual to ever live on this earth. He was perfect. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God, the Son of God. Well, this morning I want us to look at John chapter 1 again. I want us to look at verses 6 through 14. Again, as we consider the word after he became flesh. John chapter 1, we pick it up in verse number 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Verse 11 says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the context for then this 14th verse again, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning, as we have opened your word, that you would open our hearts, open our eyes to see what your word has to say to us. Lord, we find ourselves overwhelmed. Speechless at the thought that God became flesh, dwelt among us, ultimately to die for us. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Christmas, the gift of eternal life through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, work in our hearts and lives today. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Consider with me first that the word in flesh was revealed. The word in flesh was revealed. If you look again at verses 6 through 9, it tells tells us of a man whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. John was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, today it's it's fairly common if if someone has a a baby in their home, a, a new baby comes into their family, then they send out birth announcements. Uh, announcing the arrival, uh, so to speak. Well, uh, John was the forerunner. He was the one who came to announce the coming uh, Savior. Uh, There was this man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, the, the light that all through him might believe. Now, it makes it clear to us here that he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. The, the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. and so John the Baptist was sent by God to introduce the, the world uh, to the world, the Word become flesh. He was heaven's reporter, you might say, of the good news that the Word uh, that had existed in eternity was now part of history. And as John bore witness that the Word was made flesh, the Word was revealed here, according to, to John's gospel, revealed as light. As light. Now that's an unusual concept to some people, that an individual would be described as light. And yet John said that he, he, that he was come to bear witness of the light. Zacharias gave us the, the, the prophecy in Luke chapter 1 verse 79, when, when Christ said when he came that he would give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And when Simeon saw him, he called him a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. The world was in darkness. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it speaks of the darkness of this world. It was and still is a world of darkness created by the entrance of sin into this world. That's no secret that we live in a dark world. A sinful, dark world. You don't have to pay attention for very long to know that this world is in darkness, spiritually speaking. Uh, The darkness, of course, is symbolic of the sin in which men live, the sin that man loves, the sin that enslaves those who are in darkness. You ask anyone who has found themselves in the grip of sin's power, and they will tell you that it is a life of darkness, Uh, Much of the sinfulness in this world is associated with darkness. Many of the crimes that you hear being committed, many of the the fights that ensue and those sorts of things happen under the cover of darkness. Scripture tells us men love darkness because their deeds are evil. That's not to say that the night is inherently evil, uh, but that is many times when evil takes place. Uh, Bar fights and these sorts of things that you see going on today, crimes are committed. While we know many are committed in broad daylight, uh, much of the evil that takes place in our world takes place under the cover of darkness. We live in a dark world. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse number 12, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, uh, but shall have the light of life. He also said in John chapter 12, verse 46, I am come a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. If you're here this morning and you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, that's your testimony. You're a, a born again child of God, a follower of Christ then you know what it is to live in spiritual darkness. You might say, but I was, I was never like a really bad person. You don't have to be a really bad person to understand what it is to be living and walking in spiritual darkness. To be blinded uh, to spiritual truth. And so scripture tells us uh, the good news of Christmas, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that men do not have to live in darkness. They don't have to be enslaved by sin. Jesus is the light that delivers them from darkness. So after the word became flesh, he was not only revealed as the light, but you'll notice here he was revealed as the life. As the life. We read here in John chapter 1 verse 4, it says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The world in which he came was not only spiritually darkened, but it was spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. So what we're saying here is all men to whom Christ came were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 tells us. People who are unsaved are without spiritual life. They are lost without God, separated from him. But then the word was made flesh. And John says in John 10.10, 10, or Jesus said this himself, I am, the, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He said in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He said in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. So Jesus not only gives light to those who are in spiritual darkness, he gives life to those who are spiritually dead. After the word became flesh, he was revealed as the light. He was revealed as the life. But you'll also notice here he was revealed as the lamb. The lamb. What a, what a beautiful picture it is. There was a day when John, who was sent from God to bear witness of the word, saw the word in the flesh. Now you picture this. John would have been perceived even in that day as kind of a crazy guy. Dressed, dressed pretty crazy. Pretty hairy. Pretty hairy. Right? He had a strange diet, and so he was preaching, proclaiming the Christ in the wilderness. That's primarily where he did his ministry. And, and Scripture uh, paints this picture for us that on, on a particular day, he saw Jesus coming. And what did he say? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, he didn't say, hey, let me introduce you guys to Jesus. That's not what he said. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, it was a picture that they would have understood. There was imagery there that they would have understood much better in that day. The Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. So, as the light, he delivers us from the darkness. As the life, he delivers us from death. As the lamb, he delivers us from depravity. Because as the lamb of God, he takes away the sin of the world. You realize that Jesus is everything? He's everything. It's not trite or cliche to say Jesus is the answer, He's the answer to all of life's problems. Some would say oh that's that's far too simple. No, Jesus is everything to every need of the human heart. He is light, he is life, he is the lamb. I know you've heard this and I wish I could take credit for it. In fact, I tried to find uh, the individual who who uh, wrote this. But it's just it's a beautiful picture of the fact that Christ is everything to the to to every need of the human heart. To the artist, to the Lord Jesus Christ is the one altogether lovely, to the architect, he's the chief cornerstone, to the baker, the living bread, to the banker, the hidden treasure, to the biologist, he is the life, to the builder, he is the sure foundation, to the carpenter, he's the door. To the doctor, the great physician. To the educator, he is the great teacher. To the engineer, he is the new and living way. To the farmer, he is the sower and the lord of the harvest. To the florist, the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. To the geologist, he is the rock of ages. To the horticulturalist, he is the true vine. To the judge, he is the righteous judge, the judge of all men. To the jeweler, he is the pearl of great price. To the lawyer, he's the great counselor, lawgiver, and advocate. To the newspaper reporter, he is the good news of great joy. To the philanthropist, he is the unspeakable gift. To the philosopher, he's the wisdom of God. To the preacher, he is the word of God. To the sculptor, he's the living stone. To the statesman, he is the desire of all nations. To the student, he is the incarnate truth. To the theologian, the author and finisher of our faith. To the laborer, he is the giver of rest. And to the sinner, he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's something to celebrate, my friends. In the Lamb of God, we see the heart and soul of why the Word became flesh. As the Lamb of God, He became flesh, became man, that He might offer Himself as a sacrifice for our sin. You see, many a Lamb have been offered uh, through time to make atonement for the sins of the people. But those sacrifices were were, were just a picture. They they pointed to one lamb, a heavenly lamb, Jesus, the lamb of God. When the word became flesh, the lamb had come. That's why scripture tells us that he he laid down his life and paid the penalty once for all. So there's no more need for us to come back to the place of worship week in and week out, bringing with us a sacrificial lamb. Aren't you thankful for that? No, he laid down his life for us. The word in the flesh as the lamb of God came for one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to take away our sins. The word, the word takes, it's an interesting word. It means to take up or away. And so as the lamb of God, he took upon himself our sin. And as the lamb of sacrifice, he took away our sin. If you've been saved... Your sins that he took upon himself as the Lamb of God have been taken away. They've been taken away. So the word in the flesh revealed as the light, revealed as the life, revealed as the Lamb. The word in flesh revealed. Let's think secondly this morning that the word in flesh was rejected. Rejected. We read a moment ago in verses 10 and 11 here in John chapter 1. He was in the world. The world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. The word in flesh was rejected. See, John says that as he came to dwell among us, he was in a world that he had created by his own power, and yet the very world and people that he created didn't realize that he was in the world. And even sadder than that, he came to his own and was rejected by those to whom he came. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, that when it was time for the Word to become flesh, there was no room for them in the end. Don't mistakenly think that that's just kind of a cute little part of the Christmas story. No, that's not the case at all. You see, the absence of room in the inn would serve as a a precursor, as a picture of the rejection that he would receive from the world into which he came. And over 2,000 years later, nothing has changed. The world still rejects him. And during this Christmas season, it's obvious there is still no room for Jesus in the inn. There's no room for Jesus in our celebrating. There's no room for Jesus in our partying. There's no room for Jesus in our busy schedule. Despised and rejected. Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before he came that he is despised and rejected of men. I find it interesting that Isaiah did not say that he was despised or rejected, past tense, but rather he is, present tense. I think it was as if Isaiah was saying that he could see uh, that that to his own uh, they they would reject him. And that would be true of each generation that would follow. You'd find a generation of people who choose to reject him as Savior. Reject him as the light and the life and the Lamb. It's becoming more and more difficult for some people to even acknowledge that Christ was a historical figure. Many would tell us that the scriptural accounts are all myth. And if they do acknowledge that Jesus was indeed a historical figure, they try to tell us, well, he was really just a great teacher. Oh, he was a prophet, perhaps. Or he was just a good moral man who came to create a revolution of sorts. No, Jesus came as the savior of the world. And yet he was rejected. Think for a moment about this rejection and how surprising it is. In the grand scheme of things, you, you think about the fact that uh, the two words in verse 11, He came. He came. John tells us that He came as the creator of the world and all therein. The world was made by Him, according to, to, to verse 10. Imagine the creation rejecting its very own creator, the very one to whom they owe their life and existence. Even worse, they were doing more than rejecting their Creator. They were rejecting the Savior. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us that He might become one of us in order to die for us. And when you consider the truth that sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned, according to Romans chapter 5, and sin separated man from God, you would think that the world would gladly, gratefully, Receive him, accept him, accept the gift of salvation. You see, God's offered all men is to take away their sin, deliver them from condemnation, and yet, multitudes surprisingly reject the greatest offer ever known to man. And even more surprising is how lightly they take God and his offer and the contempt that they show for that offer. They scoff at it. Many of you would recognize the name Ozzy Osbourne. He was a member of a uh, heavy metal rock band called Black Sabbath and uh, in recent years had his own reality show with his family called The Osborns. In an interview, he told this story. He said, one time I got on my tour bus after a gig and we drove for seven or eight hours. We stopped at a truck stop in the early hours of the morning for a cup of coffee and we were out in the middle of nowhere, and this guy walks up to me and gives me one of those, those leaflets, a track, Jesus Saves. And I say to this guy, where did you come from? He said, There's nothing for miles and miles around here. And he says, well, I've been following you all night because I wanted to give this to you. He says, you've been following my bus all night just to give me this blankety-blank piece of paper? You don't need to go to a church, mister. He said, you need to go see a blankety-blank psychiatrist. You talk about blatant rejection of anything related to Christ. And we know of story after story after story after story of individuals like that who've been given opportunities to hear about the greatest news known to man and have boldly, blatantly rejected Jesus Christ. You want to get some people upset? Try to talk to them about what Jesus has done for them. After all Jesus did to save people from their sins, they they say no to this greatest offer ever known to man, the gift of salvation. How serious this rejection. You know, we often say it's a matter of life and death, and it truly is. And yet many reject him. In the 1950s, Walt Disney was trying to convince his close friend, Art Linkletter, that he needed to uh, believe in his dreams. Linkletter, of course, a pioneer in early television, had urged Disney to, uh, was urged by Disney to purchase some land uh, for miles around uh, this nearest town. And Disney explained that he intended to build this mega amusement park that would be like no other amusement park. It would contain Fantasyland and Tomorrowland all in one and would be called Disneyland. He said, but I've got to invest everything I have into the, the theme park itself. And I, I want to encourage you to invest in all of the land around it because it will certainly be filled with hotels and other amenities and things that would be associated with the, the amusement park itself. And so Linkletter thought long and hard about this. But said, oh, I, I, maybe, maybe maybe later. And Disney said, well, later will be too late. It will be gone. And that day, Art Linkletter decided not to invest in the land around Disneyland. He later said that every step that he made back to his car that day cost him millions of dollars. And from a worldly standpoint, we could go, boy, that wasn't very smart for him to have rejected that offer to get in on the ground floor of this amazing uh, piece of real estate and to be a part of all that Disneyland is and and so forth. Hey, that's nothing compared to the rejection of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You're here today in rejection of him. In the 18th century, there was a man named Archibald Boyle who was the leading member of an association of wild men known as the Hell Club in Glasgow, Scotland. After one night of carousing at the club's notorious annual meeting, Boyle dreamed that he was riding home on his black horse, and in the darkness, someone seized the reins and shouted, You must go with me. As Boyle desperately tried to force the reins from the hands of this unknown guide, the horse reared and Boyle fell down and, and with increasing speed. And he said, where are you taking me? And this cold voice said, to hell. And so he, he began to bargain and, and, and try to make a deal with this individual in his dream. And as this night went on, he, he, he began to grow more restless and, and he, he eventually freed himself in his dream. And, but, but he was told that you have but a year and a day and then you must go with me. Well, he was so scared by the reality of this dream that he had a bit of a turnaround and he set a New Year's resolution that he would uh, quit his carousing ways and he would quit living such a hard life and that only lasted for a brief time and he was eventually drawn back into the ways of the Hell Club by his, by his raucous friends and so forth and he began to live that lifestyle again and found himself at the next annual meeting of the Hell Club and the moderator of that meeting got up and said, Well, friends, you know, because it's leap year, it's been a year and a day. Since our last meeting. And those words rung in Boyle's mind. A year and a day. He was of course frightful. And and got on his horse after that meeting. And began to make his way home. And nobody really knows what happened. But that his horse was found grazing beside the road the next morning. And he lay dead. You see the offer that God makes. It's no joke. And while you may be seated here today thinking you've got all the time in the world, that's something that you can put off to another day, another time. You'll consider the offer uh, more thoroughly. You may not have another day, another time. Came in the flesh and he was rejected, came into his own and was rejected. How surprising the rejection. How serious the rejection. But consider with me number three this morning. The word in the flesh received. You see as we continue to read here in John's gospel in verse number 12 it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. There have been many who have rejected Him. But all those who have received Him blessed the day that they did so. If you're here today and that's your testimony that you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then I feel certain today that you would say that was the best decision you'd ever made. That was the greatest day of your life, the day that you made the decision to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to receive God's gift of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have received Him rejoice that the Word was made flesh. And they celebrate the glorious hour when He came into His own and they beheld His glory and found that He is indeed full of grace and truth. To them, he gives a reason to rejoice because their sin has been taken away. You see, those who have received Christ as Savior, echo the words of the poet who said, Praise God for Christmas. Praise Him for the incarnation, for word made flesh. I will not only sing of shepherds watching flocks on frosty night or angelic choristers. I will not only sing of a stable bear in Bethlehem or lowing oxen, wise men trailing distant star with gold and frankincense and myrrh. Tonight I will sing praise to the Father who stood on heaven's threshold and said farewell to His Son as He stepped across the stars to Bethlehem and Jerusalem and I will sing praise to the infinite eternal Son who became most finite a baby who would one day be executed for my crimes. Praise Him in the heavens. Praise Him in the stable. Praise Him in my heart to know the Christ of Christmas. What a night when the Word came to dwell among men. What a day when the Word came to dwell among men. In my heart. It's a faith matter. It's a faith matter. He is received by them that believe on his name, John says. It's a simple act of faith. To believe is to trust in him, to accept what he did on your behalf. Have you believed on him? No, no, I don't mean do you believe that he existed. That's a simple head belief. We're talking about a heart belief. Have you placed your faith and trust in Him? Receiving Jesus is a faith matter. But you'll also notice here it's a family matter. To receive Him is to be given power to become the sons of God. The word power simply speaks of the the right to become a child of God. To receive him is to be brought into God's family, and it's because of the Son of God. What is Christmas? In the words of John here, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That is what Christmas is all about. The message of Christmas is best summed up in the words of the Christmas hymn, Joy to the World. We just sang it. The Lord is come. Let earth, what? Receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. The word in flesh revealed as the light, the life, And the Lamb. The Word in flesh rejected, rejected by His own, a man despised and rejected, still rejected today by countless individuals who have yet to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Word in flesh received. It's a step of faith. You want to be part of the family of God. Scripture says you have to be born again. If you've been born, you wouldn't be here today. It's like Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You must be born again. If we could bow our heads and close our eyes for a few moments this morning. With Christmas just three days away. I have to wonder this morning, do you personally know the Christ of Christmas? Again, it's not a question of do you know of the Christ of Christmas? Do you know about the Christ of Christmas? Oh, it's a question of do you know personally the Christ of Christmas? Do you know Him as your Savior and your Lord? The most important decision that you could possibly make in this Christmas season is not what gift you're going to purchase for another individual. The most important decision an individual could make during this Christmas season is will you receive the greatest gift that's ever been given? That's the gift of God's Son. It's a gift that you can choose to accept by faith or reject. Scripture makes it clear that there are dire consequences if you choose to reject the gift of God's Son. In Him was life. The life was the light of men. If you're here today and you're still walking in spiritual darkness, maybe you're uncertain about what the future holds for you in terms of eternity and Uncertain about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it because you need to take a simple step of faith today and accept the gift? It's a Christmas you'll never forget. Maybe there would be some here today who would say, Pastor, I I have received that gift. I've, I've taken that step of faith and I know what it is to... No longer walk in darkness, but to have the light of life. I know what it is to be spiritually dead, but to be given life by the great life giver. I know what it is to have my sins taken away by the Lamb of God. And in this Christmas season, I am fully committed to worshiping and rejoicing in the gift of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. Just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And as we do, if God's working in your life, you need to make a decision today and perhaps even make that decision public. And we invite you to come. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your Word today. We thank you that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus, to be the light, the life, the Lamb. I pray that if there's anyone here today that is still rejecting the Christ of Christmas, I pray that they would take a step of faith and choose today to receive, to receive the gift of Christmas. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church. We invite you to come worship with us anytime you're near. We're located at 206 Marietta Street, Queen City, Texas. Visit us online at fbcqc.org.